welcome to the GNT Show. Alright, welcome everyone to another week in the boring world of Rugby League and another G&T show where um, whilst there was only one game on the weekend, there was a, no shortage of drama and once again I'm joined by a man who like myself is in lockdown but is following his dreams that he's always wanted to do and never found time to do, a, a coffee table book about car parks of Sydney. G, how are you? I'm actually writing the book so I can get some funding for the federal government for my car park. That that. Then I could actually probably retire without having to build one. Fantastic. I'm great. Well, you didn't say that two minutes ago. You said you were struggling. You said um, that the Bulldogs have given you hope with the intelligence they've shown in the lockdown. They probably have. I think not going through Trent Barrett's game plan this week might actually help. Without any injuries and without any suspensions, I don't think you had enough first graders with five that are quarantining. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not even sure you're going to make the top eight in reserve grade. I think you're being a bit harsh, and I really think that this is part of Trent Barrett's way of actually testing our depth and um, planning for the future. All right, well, we'll get to it. Whilst there was only Origin on the weekend, and this will be a quick podcast, um, there was quite a bit of news. Um, we'll start off at the top, which was um, Reese Walsh getting ruled out of Origin ahead of the game. And of course, this, this uh, led to a series of things that ultimately resulted in Ronaldo Mulatalo being pulled because he wasn't, he was ineligible. Now I was on Twitter, so I saw how this developed and someone tweeted Steve Mascord, who was living in the UK, who tweeted Brent Reid, the writer for The Australian, who said he'll follow it up. So Steve Mascord, who no longer writes about the NRL, who's living in the UK, doing freelancing work, who's got a great book about Super League coming out later this year as well. He picked it up. The Queensland Rugby League, the NRL and the New South Wales Rugby League didn't pick it up. But even before Ronaldo Mulatalo, the shit show that is the Queensland State of Origin team this year, uh, Reese Walsh, once he was ruled out, no one told the Warriors what was wrong with him. Which is just brilliant. So they don't, they, he's out, don't tell the club, and then we're going to draft in a guy who's ineligible. Surely if you get to a level where you're in representative footy, you understand the rules and how they work. I think the conclusive answer to that is no, they don't. What a schmozzle. I think it's great. Got a multi-million dollar game. Ronaldo Mulatalo gets drafted in. They find out from Steve Mascord in the UK and some people on Twitter that he's ineligible. And they don't even tell Reese Walsh's club that he was injured because they're trying to fool New South Wales. They tweeted Gus. They tweeted Gus when they ruled Reese Walsh out. And, and Gus goes, it's the first I've heard about it. Don't worry. I just run the football department over there. Honestly, what can you do? I think it's it's comedy capers. I love it. It's fantastic. It's brilliant. I mean, you just you just you don't get this in any other sport in the world. I will say one thing though on Mulatalo though. I feel sorry for him, and I think it should be the old rule about where you first play your junior football. If you're 14, 16, to be honest, I don't think it really matters, and they shouldn't let him play. I'm- so I agree with that, but I think New South Wales were within its rights. Last time this came up, they let GI play for Queensland. They were within their rights to do that. Well, it wasn't New South Wales in the end. New South Wales just asked the NRL, what's going on here? He, he actually ended up ruling himself out. So I agree. I felt sorry for him. To get ruled out that way is ridiculous after you've played junior reps. This is not... Everyone's blaming New South Wales. I'm like... No, it's Queensland's fault. Can't anyone in the NRL read a form? I mean, <laughs> Well, no. Were you born in New South Wales or Queensland? No. Did you move here before the age of 13? No. Did you have parents that played for Queensland? No. All right, you're eligible. Well, don't worry. Are you related to Adrian Lamb and play for P&G, which 
automatically gets part becomes part of Queensland during state of origin. Close to North Queensland. <laughs> yeah. Before we get on to the COVID news and all that sort of stuff, the NRL actually, I don't know whether you picked this up during the week, but they got a, over 150% increase and free-to-air coverage for their TV rights in New Zealand, which I thought was a great contract, a great contract. And then because there was um, competition there between Sky New Zealand and Spark, which is a tele- telecom provider, a bit like a Telstra over in New Zealand. Yep. And and they're going to get free-to-air coverage and a lot of their marquee games are going to be on free-to-air now. So I think this was a great deal. And we got to, we, we spend weeks slagging off the amateur hour that is the NRL sometimes. But this was I thought this was quite a good deal and, and, and they deserve a clap on the back for it. They do. That's the one thing where I'm probably a little bit more confident with Peter Volandis. He's got the right idea about trying to at least promote the game from, from a TV perspective and things like that. Remains to be seen what they do with the right tee, but to get greater free-to-air coverage in New Zealand, I think, is, is a great great outcome. The game needs more of that. It needs more promotion, and that's a way to do it. I think it's fantastic. It's good that they've got this contract at a time when um, the product is at its all-time best. Uh, yeah, and after they've had a New Zealand team in there for about 25 years. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> Correct. They're right onto it. They're cutting edge. They absolutely are. Just before we move on Origin, I've got a couple more things on Origin. Uh, Actually, I've got three more things on Origin. Um, Bernard Sutton lost his job consulting with Queensland because his brother was refereeing and is currently a referee and was going to referee game two. I don't know. We haven't spoken about this beforehand, but I think it's absolutely ridiculous that he lost his job. He is no longer contracted to the NRL. Of course it is. I mean, yeah, okay, it might be a potential conflict of interest. You manage that, right? But, I mean, a Queensland... Is everyone that sensitive that they think there's all these secrets that they're going to plan out during the week that, you know, no one's going to find out come origin night? Like, I mean... Mate, unless unless Bernard Sutton is Ricky Stewart and can, can find a way of getting an illegal player onto the field, there, there's nothing Queensland or Bernard Sutton or Paul Green or Mal Meninga can do to arrest the decline of that team. To make someone lose their job over that, I mean, honestly, it's farcical. I don't understand it. I'm not. I'm not. I'm actually not sure that it's legal either. What's your What's the excuse at the the unfair dismissal commission? I presume they paid him. Probably. Or they've got termination clauses for. If you work for Queensland and play in New South Wales, you get fired. Yeah. Okay. Sure. He probably had to fill in a form, uh, and it said, <laughs> "Is your brother Is your brother a referee? Yes. You can consult for us." Okay. <laughs> yes. Now, a couple of things. Now, I don't think standalone origin works. I think they need to move it back to Wednesday. They do have a contract next year to have another Sunday night origin, but I think Peter Volandis has got to find a way. Uh, having one game on the weekend really gave the AFL a free kick. And and it's, would you, I just missed the footy. I mean, I think a lot of fans were in the same boat. What do you think about standalone? I think one standalone game works, and only because I think some of the players just need a break. That That's the perspective I'm coming You can do that from. with a split round, can't you? I suppose you could do that with a split round, which is what they used to do. But um, And maybe that's a better way to go. But I, I think that one-week pause is okay, but I think only one game works. You can't do three standalone games. And it also interferes with the comp. At least this game doesn't necessarily interfere with the comp as much. Well, other than Nathan Cleary getting a shoulder injury and being ruled out for a minimum of four to six weeks and actually needing surgery and putting it off <laughs> till the end of the season... Other than that, yeah, it hasn't had much impact. Hasn't interfered with the comp at all. Once again, hard-hitting analysis from G. You know what I mean, though. So it's, um, I'm okay with it, but is it ideal probably from a ratings and everything perspective? No. but Just on Nathan Cleary and that injury, I mean, he was tough mm. to tough that out for 70 minutes. But the yeah. bigger issue is he's beginning to look like Roger Ramshed. Oh, with the big jaw and forehead? Yeah, forehead? he's beginning to yeah. look like Roger Ramshed. He's, he's just, I mean... 
hopefully he can, he can recover. But I do think... I actually, we're going to get onto the preview for this week. I think it'll bring them back to para after a week off, but... They've got an interesting team, and I think it evens out the teams a fair bit. Uh, he might turn up in a jet next time, in American Roger jet. Ramjet. Roger Ramjet, that's Ram right. Jet. Does anyone even know who Roger Ramjet is anymore? Yeah. Unless unless you're our age and watched it on ABC growing up, you wouldn't even know. Jaw's pretty much like Stan from American Dad. It is Stan from American Dad. Good call. Good call. That would make Jerome Louis Francine. Possibly. <laughs> Who's the alien? Ah, uh, good question. Who's Brian Toto. Nah, he'd he'd be the fish. Yeah, he's the he'd fish. Hundred percent the fish. Klaus the, the alien. Fish. The, the alien. I don't know. Who's the Tyro alien? May. Tyro May is Mister Fixit. Just pops up. Francis Molo. Fixes. Yeah, Francis <laughs> Molo. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, anyway, I mean that was sad news during the week about the family. Remember that head high tackle from a few years ago? That was terrible news. Terrible. Interesting article about it. Yeah. He hasn't got in contact with the family and those types of things. So I mean, I, I didn't want to comment too much on it just because it's such an open wound, obviously for the family. But for those that don't know the story, it was a I think it was a Queensland Cup game a few years back, and and. It was just a big hit, and uh, I think Francis Molo ended up getting suspended for a number of weeks for the hit, but but the, unfortunately, the person in the tackle and the receiving end of the tackle uh, actually passed away. Yeah, unbelievable if you think about the circumstances. I think reading that article, it's quite heart-wrenching because, you know, you, you kind of losing someone that close and probably to- and totally unexpectedly from something like that, you could feel their sorrow even just through the words. That was terrible, wasn't it? It was just heartbreaking. No, they said, look, it would be great if Francis, you know, spoke to us about it. But you know, who knows what he, what turmoil he might be going through. It might appear that everything's okay on the surface, but you don't really know. But the way the article was placed did appear to make him a little bit insensitive. A perspective if you're just reading the words solely without thinking too much about it. But who knows why he hasn't done that? Because it might be, it might be his own demons he's wrestling with as well. I'm not saying yeah. it's right or wrong, but you know, I think there's a lot more to that story than just he hasn't apologized. But you know what? After reading that. If you're Francis Molo, probably wise to get in touch yeah. with the family. They didn't seem to hold any animosity. I mean, obviously it's an article, but it was a little bit more like it would be nice if you know he sort of checked on us in a way. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So it, it just a terrible story, actually. Yeah. So the other the other news, and and this is my last story around Origin. Actually, two last two points about Origin. I did end up watching the women's Origin game on oh, Friday okay. night. Yep. Friday night. Uh, great win to Queensland, eight six. Controversial penalty at the end to decide the game, which it wouldn't be rugby league without a controversial refereeing decision. What a game! It was so much better without the six again. It would be good to have a look at the heights. I haven't watched too much of the female rugby league. Can I ask you, did you watch any of it? Not this week, no. I didn't watch that one. But seeing the odd games over the last couple of years here and there, I like the way the women play footy. It's not It's not as much um, wrestle. I don't feel like it's as rigid. It's like a, a far more... Unstructured game. Unstructured, you know, sort of instinctual game. And it's actually really fun to watch. And I think they got to take a leaf out of the women's big bash. They got to take, or oh, the women's cricket, W League, the women's AFL, and and they got to really invest in it. I think that's untapped potential. I think they should have a decent club competition. They've still only got six teams next year, including Para. Yep. And Souths pulled out for some reason, and there's been no news about that. And I, I can't quite work out why you would pull out of that. They need three Origins next year, and I think they need a decent club competition. I think that could be an avenue of growth for the women's game here. Oh, definitely. Look, and it's you know it's disruptive for the the women that want to play the game and and the younger teenage girls want to play as well and be professional but the, the thing is if anybody's out there you want the game to grow you know a lot of these people that hold the purse strings they just look at numbers the more people that watch 
the more money hopefully the game can bring in and really build the women's game up. Like I said, I haven't watched much of it, but I've watched the odd game. You add a crowd and a bit of atmosphere around that, and it makes that whole thing a totally different experience because the skills and the ability are there. That's it's right. just they're playing, you know, and there's there's not many people there. So it kind of diminishes the event somewhat a little bit. Hopefully we can get to a point where you're getting 15, 20 grand to some of the female games on a regular basis. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Now, the yeah. other pl- player movement news during the week, the Warriors, who I cannot work out what the hell they're doing. <laughs> Sean Johnson's gone back for a two-season deal and they've got Chad Townsend in for the last seven games of the season before he goes to North Queensland. Sean Johnson, I kind of get. He can mentor those young halves, Nick Arima and Chanel Harris-Tavita. And Reese Walsh, it's a bit of experience. He's an all, he's a New Zealand warrior. He's going back home. It's a it's a bit like Benji going back home. He can he, like As long as he's not your front line star and he's there to train the others and teach them about the club and the history and positional play and, and, and mentor them, that's a great signing. It is. I think watching SJ play, he's, he's adapted his game a little bit. He's a bit more of the organiser now and moving the team around the park when you watch him. He's not the instinctive magic that he was a few years ago you know he's had some really serious injuries hamstring tears and an achilles snapped i mean they're things you don't really recover 100 percent from anyway so he's kind of taken that out of his game so he more steers his team around the park so i think that's the the value he can add but i mean you've got chanel harris tavita you're playing him then you get chad townsend i mean he's out and then you've got nick arima then you've got walsh like they're all over the place the warriors who knows what they're doing i don't quite get the chad townsend thing completely baffles the mind for me it came out of the blue if i'm honest like it's not something i would have thought they would have done are they interested in andrew fafita as well that may as well double package he, he adds to the um, fitness of their forward pack. So the other big player news of the week, before we get to the huge news around COVID, is, of course, um, Nick Meany moving to Melbourne. Now, but there's, we've been saying this for a couple of seasons. There's something there. Absolutely. There's, he's gone there for less money. And remember, we had a really deep Nick Meany conversation last year. Yep. And I actually think we might have even mentioned him going to the Roosters or Melbourne to be in a system. Yeah. It, and, and the salary almost doesn't matter so that they can get the most out of him because him staying at the Bulldogs it's pointless he's just not going to hit his potential they needed something in terms of a backup with Nick, Nico Hines gone this was a great signing by Melbourne and a great move by Nick Meaney probably says a little bit about where the dogs are at as well which which will lead me to my next story as well I'm actually happy for Nick Meaney there is something there he's got pace he reads the game pretty well it's not like he doesn't know what's going on. He's positionally okay. He's just in a system that doesn't suit his play and not going to get any potential out of him. Melbourne rotates their squad a fair bit. He will play 12 or 15 games in a team that knows what it's doing and they're going to get the best out of him. So, well, And he's got a bit of ball playing in him as well. So I think I think it's a great, great signing by Melbourne, I thought, and good for Nick Meaney. Speaking of Bulldogs... <laughs> Yes. Now, the NRL's introduced, I think it's level four COVID restrictions, which means no crowds. The game's going to go ahead as planned with no crowds, charter jets, um, the players in a bubble like last year for this round. And then there's talk of moving next next week's games to regional areas. Yep, not a bad idea. Just to get the football in. It is looking like Origin is unlikely to be played in Sydney. There's some talk of Newcastle. There's also talk of playing the third Origin in Queensland. Could you imagine Queens, clean sweeping Queensland with all three games in Queensland? Oh, of course. It's going to happen. Put that down. So don't worry about it. I don't think it'd ever be repeated again. So that that that's that. But um, given 
the Delta variant and 12 million people are now in lockdown in Australia, including G yeah. and I. Um, it's, good, it's good that you got out of the car park in time at Belmore to get home, G. <laughs> Actually, part of my exercise routine, I can walk around the fields at the, behind Belmore Sports Ground. Is, what, what chapter is Belmore Sports Ground car park in your book of car parks that you're... Uh, it's like the book of feuds except for car parks. I don't know. It depends. It's not in a... A marginal seat, so it might not get funding, so I have to deprioritize it. It's under the chapter entitled Shit Car Parks. Mate, yeah, Shit Car Park <laughs> may not get funding to improve. So given the seriousness of this Delta variant and what's going on in the community, and there's only eight weeks to go as opposed to a whole season yeah. that mm. they had to get in last year, eight to ten weeks to go, you'd think the players would exercise precaution. And what actually happened was it looks like the Bulldogs had a team dinner in the hotspot in Sydney in Potts Point, Bondi area. Now, three of the Bulldogs got picked up straight away because they did the right thing and at least scanned their QR code. Dylan Napa, Brandon Wakeham and Adam Shook. But Sione Katoa and Corey Waddell only got picked up a few days later because they didn't scan in. So not only did they do the wrong thing because they were meant to be in the bubble, they also didn't sign in. And now they're not playing this weekend because they got 14 days of isolation. After watching Sione Katoa's defence miss all year, are you surprised he missed signing in as well? Well, I'm not. No, no, I'm not. I'm not. But I will make two points, all right? <laughs> what, what a combination. Brandon Wakeham, Adam Shook. Yeah, I oh know. And like, Big Papi. What is Big Papi taking them under their wing for? What's he teaching them? I don't know because if there were two people that I didn't think would go to a team dinner, I mean, I don't know the team dynamics, but from as an outsider, I would have picked in a Napa and Brandon Wakeham. It's like the movie Twins. Dylan Napa in the role of Arnold Schwarzenegger and Brandon Wakeham in the, the role of Danny DeVito's. I mean, what... Were they thinking? I don't know, but the, the the thing is, as a Bulldogs fan, I'm really excited because it's about time they took a risk during the season. Unfortunately, <laughs> they took a risk for COVID and not on the footy field. So yeah, I don't know, but maybe their mindset's going to change. Oh god, I don't th- I don't think you had 17 first graders to begin with. Five of them are out. The other point I want to make about this is I didn't even know Corey Waddell was still playing. <laughs> what, what, a, what an impact! I, I've watched the dogs a hundred times this year and have not noticed him on the field at all. Well, Trent Barrett's signing of Corey Waddell and Kyle Flanagan, two of his hand-picked recruits, has gone down really well. I thought they were going to say player liaison officer Corey Waddell. <laughs> so, all right, that was all the news I had that I caught up on. What did you have that we missed? No, that's it, actually. I, I noted about Chad Townsend, DWZ now. So the, the whole Warriors team looks slightly different. And that's it. If there's no other news, let's move on to Origin. No problem. Our one game, uh, Queensland at Suncorp, full house of Maroons. Um, they didn't score a point. They lost 26-0. Um, New South, prior to this game, New South Wales had lost seven out of eight games at Suncorp, refereed by Sutton. And yep. they'd all, and Queensland had almost doubled the penalty count. Is that because his brother was in the bunker? Randomly placed in the bunker by Queensland. <laughs> I, I was a bit nervous around that. I shouldn't have been. I mean, after the 26-0 result, 76-6, to and we've already got... If, if the game ends in a draw, the third game ends in a draw, we've already got the biggest winning margin across three games in any Origin series in history. Mulatalo was ruled out, and Xavier Coates came in as a... But Xavier Coates is a specialist right winger, and he was drafted in to play left wing, so I felt a bit sorry for him. One thing I will say about this Origin game, and this is really worrying for Queensland, I didn't think there was any intensity to this game. I thought it was like a normal NRL game, except Queensland were the Tigers. 
Well, the Titans, mainly the Titans. I mean, they came out fired up, but it only lasted 10 minutes before Latrell Mitchell made his mark. And what a first half he had, um, pushing Val Holmes into goal. The one-on-one strip of Kyle Felt, which led to Josh Adokar's first try. And then the intercept to take New South Wales out to 12-0. Tommy Turbo then got another on the other edge, the New South Wales right edge, to extend the lead to 18-0. And Queensland were lucky to only be 18-0 down at that point. I agree. I agree. When Cam Murray was caught offside, I mean, with that obscure rule, because he had actually got behind the ball. He just hadn't got behind the play of the ball. To be honest, I didn't know that was a rule. Like, I thought as long as the ball carrier passed you, 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 you're okay. But obviously not. I'm going to have a comment about the refereeing in that game. But yeah, go. Oh, I thought the refereeing was Very one-sided to try and keep keep the game but, close. But I mean, the, yeah. game, the game was never in doubt, right? Queensland no. in attack, they had nothing. And we texted during this game. Queensland had nothing during this game in attack. It was terrible. Other than bombing Brian Toa. That was it. That was their entire attack. And Cherry Evans, Gagai and Felt on the Queensland right edge got absolutely torched. And the other edge was just as bad with Munster, Capewell and Xavier Coates. So I don't know where Queensland goes with this. Is that your cat, by the way? Yeah, it's fighting the chair. I think... What? Which one's winning? I don't know. I guess I'll find out. Do you talk to it and pet it? Of course. you got to pat The cat demands to be patted. Whether you want to or not is irrelevant. Brilliant. All right. So as I was saying, Brad Walter wrote an article on NRL.com. Queensland will be all right. If you look at all the players coming through, the youngsters coming through, uh, Sam Walker, Reese Walsh, etc. the forwards, they've got a really young team. They will be all right, but it's a few years away. It's a possibility of a few years away because some of those players might not develop. You don't know. Well, that's right. But uh, I think it's going to be really hard for them to win the next couple of series until those those 19, 20, 21-year-olds become 23, 24-year-olds with 100 games under their belt. And and look, the late-breaking news from this morning is North Queensland have got three players that have to self-isolate as close contacts from the Queensland outbreak, so including Todd Payton, your doppelganger. He must have did a detour past Belmore. I think they're in a bit of trouble, Queensland, for the next next couple of years but 76 to 6 right you know what I didn't think New South Wales played that well they didn't play the double fullback thing with Tommy Turbo he largely stuck to the right edge and Latrell stuck to the left um, so they, they tightened things up a little bit but but even despite that even despite the refereeing being potentially one-sided they killed him when I said I think they win by 30 points I wasn't being flippant I actually the golfing class is so wide that Queensland can't compete and they have no pace either they did throw the ball around a little bit and tried to attack but Luke Capewell would get put in space and then run down after 10 metres. Yeah, well, in fairness to Luke Capewell, <laughs> Kurt Capewell, yeah. Kurt Capewell, so he's playing in the centres. It's not his position, right? So he's trying his guts out, but they don't have the class in their team. And either then you play through and you play a very risky brand of football, well, not risky, but you, you pass and offload and keep on running. You can't do the set plays because Wales' defence is too fast and too good and shuts it down. Where I do agree with you as well is I didn't think Queen, New South Wales were that good either. I thought they were quite solid. They had them They had them in hand, right? It's like when Melbourne plays one of the team or, or South. Souths are a team that do this, sometimes play to their opponent. You never think they're going to lose it, but they just keep them at arm's length. They only did enough to do what they needed to do. They, I felt like they played a controlled game, and like you say, a little bit more orthodox position-wise. I don't think they went over the top with some of their football, playing a more free-flowing brand of football that they did in the first game. And I thought the refereeing, I mean, it was so one-sided. And to me, I'm a bit sceptical. Were they trying to keep the game close? New South Wales, I, I thought if they were at full pelt, 
I think that's one of these games where it would have been 40-plus. They weren't as open no, as they were in Game not. 1. Some of that's credit to Queensland as well, but the teams are of a different class. The thing for me, T, is also defensively, and I, we spoke about this after the first game, I don't think Queensland's attitude is that bad. Like, they're trying. No, they're they tried. Not, And I think that's the scary part. It's not like you could say, oh, they just dropped off in intensity. They're trying. Golfing class is too big. Way too big. And so who comes in for Nathan Cleary then? If it's like for like, halfback for halfback... And it should be, because then, you know, you've got to earn your position. I don't think it's fair to kind of, say, give Jack Wyden the 5-8 to move Luai to halfback. I don't think that that's fair to other players. I don't think Jack White or Jerome Luai does any organising. Yeah, but, you know, sometimes they do that in origin so they can pick their guys, whereas I think Mitchell Moses should be the halfback. Mitchell Moses or Adam Reynolds? I actually think Mitchell Moses. I think he deserves it. He, yes, he hasn't played brilliant every week, but if if you look at the halfbacks in terms of form, generally speaking, Parra has been up the top of the table for two, three years in a row. I think he's earned a, earned a run for sure. Absolutely. Adam Reynolds has only played two State of Origins, and he's a bit older than Mitchell Moses. And I reckon he he's deserved, his body of work deserves a run as well. The other thing is I wouldn't have Jack White in there. I'd have Clint Gutherson because he can cover a number of different positions as well. And Jack Whiten's getting six, seven, ten minutes at the end of these games. Gutho you can bring on at different points during the game, right? And Jack Whiten is being carried by Brad Fittler at the moment. Oh, he is. He's he's there because he played a role last year, I think. And, you know, he obviously did a decent job in the year before. But it, when I look at the game, if you think about it that way, I suppose the same arguments I've made for Mitch Moses, you can make for Adam Reynolds. So either all, we've said from the beginning, Gutho or Cody Walker should be there instead of Jack Whiten. There's no doubt though, right? New South Wales goes 3-0. 3-0, it's a matter of how much. And if New South Wales starts throwing the ball around again and really challenges Queensland again, you know what? It could be 40-0. The, the, the golf is too big. I think people romanticise the whole, you know, Queensland this and Queensland that. But if you look at their do- period of dominance in theory... A lot of it was because New South Wales picked a lot of players out of position because they picked favourites, not necessarily the form players. Queensland had a 17 where you could probably argue that every key player was the best player in their position in the competition and was in form. You mean during their run, their eight in a row? It's like our run in the mid-90s, right? Ricky Stewart, Daly, Fittler, Eddingshausen. Yeah, you can kind of argue that every player they picked was pretty much the best player at their position in the competition. Yeah, whereas now, it's all that is all New South Wales. In fact, to the point where New South Queensland's fullback or wingers are maybe the eighth best wingers in the competition. Like yeah. Val Holmes is their fullback. Yeah, he's been playing well, but how many fullbacks would you say are better than Val Holmes? Five, six? No, oh, at least. I reckon I'd name five or six off the top of my head. Right, then their centres, the same thing. They don't even have a centre. They've got Kurt Capel there. And you've been you've been saying bring Tuala in. You may as well. I think you'd absolutely give him a run in number three. I think I think if you're Queensland, you 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 try and give some of these youngsters a run and blood them in origin. You got no, you got nothing to lose now. You got nothing to lose. You lost fifty to six and twenty six nil. Bring him in and move Cap. Kurt Capewell to a fringe running back rower where he's actually really damaging and dangerous, yeah. right? You're, you're asking a lot of him to cover um, Tommy Turbo and, uh, you know, or Addo Carr. Like, it's just, it's honestly not fair on him. Like, physically, he's not up to it. Athletically, he just isn't. I agree with that. I tell you, I was wrong about Cam Murray. He's done well on that right edge too because he normally plays through the middle. He's played really well. He's played really well. And I thought Addo Carr showed why he's probably one of the best wingers we've seen in a long time in that game as well. He's, he's just pretty... You watch, they'll turn, they'll turn Xavier Coates into a good winger oh, next the storm? year too. Melbourne, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't think we've seen anywhere near the potential of Xavier Coates. Xavier Coates is a little bit like Nick Meaney for me. I mean, I think in a system like Melbourne or the Roosters, I think they're going to do really well. Well, look what they did with George Jennings. 
No one wanted George Jennings right last year, and George Jennings looks like one of the better wingers in the comp. They won a comp with Brenko Lee at right centre. Yeah, who no one wanted. No one still well. wants Brenko Lee. Yeah, I mean, and this is the thing, right? Like, Xavier Coates is tall, he's lanky, he's got great pace, but you can see he needs some refinement. He's only a kid anyway, but... Oh, I've just got, I just saw it come up on my Twitter feed. Uh, he's just emailed us asking us asking you not to talk about him in that way. Okay, he doesn't want me to talk about his long strides. Uh, no, not again. No, he when you when you hit him up after the Bulldogs Broncos game at Belmore Car Park, he felt a little bit uncomfortable. He says. I mean, he did he did mistake you for Todd Payton. He thought you were Todd he Payton. Did, he did. He was coming to shake my hand. It was only when he saw the long trench coat that he thought this may not be Todd Payton. <laughs> no, <laughs> there's going to be an issue with Queensland for a while. And yeah, I agree. Origin. All right. Well, that's our, that was our only game on the weekend. So let's move on yep. to the round 16 preview. It's a quick one this week, the pod. We're going to try and get this out quickly. Uh, yep. So that means we'll get it in after all eight games have been played Correct, on Sunday right. night. Of course. <laughs> For those of you that complain about the pod coming out, G does the editing and we both have full-time jobs. So this is a labor of love. Um, so so bear with us. We'll Not always. After quick. a few hours of editing every week, I'm like, I forget what this to finish. <laughs> Some weeks are easier to edit than others. Yeah, and then then when it's done, I'm like, oh, hey, that sounds really good. You get excited, but sometimes I, you know, I waver at times. I, I don't blame so, you. I don't blame you. The Thursday night game is the Roosters versus the Storm. This is a great game. Just why have they scheduled it in around Origin anyway? The Storm this week are a dollar thirty one favourites, three dollars fifty for the Roosters. The Roosters have eleven and a half point start. This game's being played in Newcastle. The Roosters moved it when the restrictions got announced. Again, yep. a club that's being run properly. They were the first ones to announce the game being moved. They are run They are run very well. Very now, well. the Storm are going back to Melbourne this week because Melbourne's just about the safest place to be in Australia. Imagine saying that over the last 15 months. So, In a way, they it's, it's good that they are. They deserve it. They deserve it, absolutely. So after seven weeks on the Sunshine Coast, they're moving down to Melbourne and then flying up to Newcastle to play the game. So that's a lot of travel. It is. They, they've got a lot of people backing up from last Sunday and it's only a four-day four turnaround. What do you think about this game? It's an interesting one because of those circumstances. I think... The Roosters are looking solid. They've had two weeks to prepare for this game, right? I don't think it's an 11.5-point game. I'm actually expecting a really high-quality game and also a close game. The Storm are pretty much at full strength with a couple of people they've drafted in, obviously, as they always do. They shift and change. And the Roosters pretty much have almost the best team that they can put out on the field with all their injuries. So for them, it's an important game. I think in terms of a barometer of where they are at the moment, they've lost most of the games against the good teams. But I think if you're the Roosters in this game, obviously you try to win, but I think you want to know, can we knock the storm off if in the semis? So they want to really compete and be in with a chance at the end, whether they win or lose. I think that's the goal. For me, I think the Storm will win. I think they're too professional, but um, I think it'll be a really close game this week. This is a 50-50 game for me. I'm going to sit on the fence. If I had to lean one way, I'm leaning slightly towards actually the Roosters because they've had two weeks to prepare for this and the Storm have had four days. Well, it's only Teddy backing up for the Roosters. A Teddy and Angus Crichton. Well, they might rule out some of their players, the Storm. They they do do that occasionally. But one point of note is on the bench, Tepai Maroa for the Storm. Yeah. Isn't that the old ex-Eel? He is the ex-Eel. Okay. Interesting. I didn't know he was at the Storm, actually. Yeah, they signed him uh, last week, I think, or the week oh, before. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. Okay. Because I didn't know he was there, and then all of a sudden his name's popped up on the team sheet. So, interesting signing. The Friday night early kickoff is the Warriors versus the Dragons. The Warriors are $1.65 favourites. The Dragons, $2.25 and the Dragons have three and a half points start. Another tough game to call. I'm actually picking the Warriors. They're at home. 
And I think the Dragons have lacked intensity over the last few weeks. I don't know. I, I think you're right. I think you've summed up my thoughts. I'm worried the Dragons' season's about to fall off a cliff. I mean, they, they did they did, they did, did beat the Raiders, but it was they really did. in the last 20 minutes, right? I mean... That's where I'm a bit torn. It's like they didn't look overly impressive at all. And then all of a sudden, by the time they were behind, they thought, let's play football. And they sort of caught the Raiders. But the Raiders have been falling away all year in the second half. I really don't know who to pick for this game. I think they are more solid with Dallin Watteni, Zelezniak and um, Chad Townsend. But does it really matter? Because they've been playing a really shitty brand of football and a really conservative brand of football, right? So part of me thinks, I think the game's there for the Warriors to win. But I think they're going to keep the Dragons in there, in the game enough because they don't play play with enough freedom and I think the Dragons I'm picking the Dragons but I'm I'm not confident at all with either team I'm going to tip the Warriors only because the Dragons have fa- the, dra- the Dragons should win this game if they want to play in the eight the Dragons should win this game agree agree but who knows with these teams right so who knows the Warriors might start throwing the ball around and once RTS gets his hands on the ball then anything can happen and same with the Dragons I, I'm tipping the Dragons but really no idea this game yeah hard. fair enough okay well the one of the games of the round is the panthers eels this was going to be a sellout at blue bet stadium but um unfortunately it'll be played behind closed doors uh with no fans in the stadium the panthers are a dollar 31 favorites the eels three dollars 50 i looked up these odds before nathan cleary and the eels have a 10 and a half point start i think the eels beat them 12 10 last year i think it was around six or seven yep the panthers are playing really really well but they've got a lot of players backing up from origin and i think without nathan cleary there i think matt burton's flattered to deceive as a half this year i think he's had fits and spurts if the eels can play high intensity going looking for the contact i think they could run over them in the last 20 minutes i'm actually going to tip the eels i'm tipping the eels but i'm also interested to see how the panthers play with charlie staines at fullback brett naden's back this week but i think tyrone may in the centers if they have Charlie Staines and Naden working well with May, their attack might not lose some of its panache, I guess. But Matt Burden and Luai also now have to click as well. So I think there's a few too many changes to beat the Eels this week for the Panthers. But I think this team, it'll be interesting to see how it develops in the next few weeks without Cleary because this is obviously who he's going to pick or probably pick Momorowski in the centres when he's back. But I'm tipping the Eels. I think the Eels look quite solid. This is a hard game to pick. I just think Penrith have too many changes in their back line. Get it all right. And they've looked a bit clunky at times without Cleary there so i think it's going to take them a week or two to click into gear but it wouldn't surprise me if they do but i'm tipping the eels okay great we're aligned on that and we move on to not so super saturday and the first game on the saturday is the bulldogs versus manly we spoke a little bit about this the bulldogs are going to field 11 players because everyone else was at the team dinner at bondi um the bulldogs <laughs> yes. are six six dollars fifty outsiders manly a dollar twelve the bulldogs have 20 and a half point start i think it'll be closer than 20 and a half i don't, I don't think it'll be a four try manly performance over the bulldogs but i think the Sea Eagles will get them. I think the Bulldogs showed a lot of spirit against Para, particularly in that first half. They dropped their bundle in the second half. They've had two weeks to work on it. Um, Trent Barrett's playing against his old team. And, and and Manly have got Tommy Turbo and DCE, although DCE should be fresh. He didn't do anything on Wednesday on Sunday night. So <laughs> No, he didn't. Um, well, he did. He gave a lot of team talks under the um, goalposts. But... Well, even then, even then at the end of the game, if you notice when the players at Origin were around giving the team talk, Queensland was laying... It was Ben Hunt talking. I do find it 
interesting that DCE basically said that they were too good for us because he knows you know when you've given a shot, given it a shot, right? Well, of course they were too good. I mean, he was stating the obvious. These these players that have come out and criticised them, what did you want him to say? I mean, it was obvious. The thing I do like about him, he seems quite blunt and honest. He's 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 forthright. Not I think he does a good job with the players association. I think his leadership's good. He's not everyone's cup of tea. It's because he doesn't fit into the boys' club. Yep, he's thought forthright, and I actually like him. I just think he walked off that field knowing that you know what we had a real dig and it wasn't good enough not even not good enough it was nowhere near good enough yeah and he, he stated that you know but um this game i think look the seagulls are going to blow them away i don't i think there's too many changes we've got fella kiko manu who's making his debut i think the bulldogs will hang in a little bit because their attitude hasn't been that bad but i think towards the end with the pressure that's going to come from manly i think eventually they'll fall away i think the seagulls win by 16 and only because i think Meany, allen Avarillo, etc. They'll do a decent job and have a dig, but they're just not going to have enough. Manly for the win. Are you making a bet with anyone that Manly's going to win? No, I'm not. Um, the good thing is I don't have to pay out for dinner for a couple of weeks, but hopefully we, we open up. But I will say, for those of you who watch some of the football, I'm going to make a comment about risk. Is If you saw the goalkeeper for Spain and the goal he let in, Quite yes. an extraordinary own goal, actually. Well, he was looking at he he wasn't looking at the ball. He was looking to where he was going to pass it or kick it. Yeah, away, right? I know. And it, in fact, no one even knew it was a goal. Until what the- a great game! What a fantastic game! Amazing game, back to back, and then Switzerland France after it might have been the best night of knockout football. It, it's right. It's right up there with the best one of the best nights of football. Drama watching. comebacks. But it's, it's right up there. It's in the top 10, top 20. But what he actually mentioned about Luis Enrique and his mentality, he actually said that Luis Enrique is embedded in the Spanish team. That concept of risk, have a try, is his motto, basically, Luis Enrique, where he's kind of like, do you know what? You have a go at it. With that risk comes mistakes. So you just have to accept you're going to make errors, but you just get over it and keep on giving it a try. And I think for some of these lower teams in the NRL, that's a mentality they should have. There's no point playing risk-free football and trying to minimize things. Go out there and have a go. But with that, you've got to accept that there's some mistakes because with that openness, risk comes with it, right? The problem is this, and we've spoken about this in rugby when I watch Super Rugby in Australia versus Super Rugby Atararoa, the execution and the skills in the New Zealand club rugby or the provincial rugby is is much higher. They catch the ball in tight spaces. It's always a spiral pass at the perfect angle right in front of them. Whilst I agree with you attitudinally, it's one thing telling a Spanish team whose skill level is extremely high and can execute a high level game plan versus telling and relating this to Canterbury, who probably if they don't have the 16th worst roster in the comp, it's the 14th or the 13th worst roster in the comp. So I'm not saying they don't get there, but they're not at a point yet where their skill levels are high enough consistently enough to execute at that level now fair point i understand what you mean it's a balance but i do think you need to you know give the players some confidence in the skills that they do have and i think when you always manage that risk all the time you don't allow them that opportunity to grow regardless can i let me ask you a question because i've been thinking about this because you've been at him a lot about his attack is it is it because does he play this risk-free football because his manly teams didn't play this way yeah is he Mm. playing this way to manage to try and manage the defense so that he doesn't lose the ball in risky positions because he knows his defense is terrible is he trying to get the team into field position because i agree with you it's undeniable that you're right the tactics are conservative but is it a compensation he's doing for the defense so that people have to score length of the field tries on him it's possible because there's a lot of that mentality that goes into it like even listening to des sort of explain some of his tactics once you, you realize he's 
thinking of this stuff constantly, right? Where if you pin them right in the corner, why do you bomb in the corner and not go for a try off a bomb? His response was actually, from a percentage perspective, if you trap them right in there. Yeah, it's, it's harder for them to come out. Whereas, you know, you have the risk of maybe giving away a seventh tackle set or whatever it is if you, yes, you get a chance of a try. But then that's also, to me, a very conservative mentality. I think part of what you say is right, but I think it's a balance of both. I think maybe he does coach that way. But then I also think, mate, you know, you've got to try and win the game too. Trent Barrett strikes me as someone who, if he's got a good roster, looks like a good coach. If he's got a shit roster, looks like a shit coach. I don't think he's any better or worse than many of the coaches that are out there. He's not like a Wayne Bennett or a Brian Smith or a Craig Bellamy or a Trent Robinson that's going to take average players and lift them up. He's not that. He reflects his roster. If his ro- if his roster's terrible, he looks like a terrible coach. If his roster's good, he looks like a great coach. He looked great. He looked great as the attack coach for Penrith. Looks terrible at the looks terrible at the Bulldogs. Anyway, I just as a fan, I mean, yeah, we're gonna come last, right? Far out. Give us something to watch. After all that, I presume you're, t- you're tipping Manly. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> I had to talk about something other than Manly's gonna flog them. Yeah okay. All right, we move we move on we move on to the next game which is the mid, middle game in Super Saturday. It's the Raiders versus the Titans. The Raiders are $1.39 favorites. The Titans $3. Titans have seven and a half point start. Here's how I reckon this will go in Canberra with no crowd there. I think Canberra will be up 8 to 12 nil after 30 minutes and I think the second half could be either 20 to 12 to Canberra or 47 to nil to the Titans. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Basically, on every trend for the whole of the year, this will probably be 20 nil at half time, and then the score would end up 36 to 24 to the Titans. I mean, honestly, who knows with this game? It's almost like which of them is going to show themselves this game? I keep tipping the Raiders, and they keep letting me down. I'm, I'm, but the Titans are probably the most inconsistent team I've ever seen in my life. This could be a 30 points to 16 win to the Raiders, or it could alternatively be a 40, 44 to 24 win to the Titans. It, this game is, who knows, honestly... I don't know who to pick. I'm probably tipping the Raiders just because they're at home. And after last week, the Titans' defense was pathetic. But, mate, no idea. Crazy game. Crazy game. The last game is the Knights versus the Cowboys. The second game at McDonald Jones Stadium for the weekend. Uh, Knights are $1.60 favorites. Cowboys $2.35. It's plus 3.5. Todd Payton's isolating. Three other players are isolating. Mitchell Pierce is back for the Knights. I think the Knights will do this comfortably. Val Holmes is backing up from Origin. I think they'll do it comfortably. I think they will. I think Pong is back. Tuala now is a bit more settled in the centre. Dom Young's made a big difference. Heimel Hunt, Clifford Pierce. They've kind of got a finally settled, to some degree, back line. Their problem's been scoring points. They'll keep it tight, and I think the Knights have got enough points in them to beat the Cowboys. I don't think um, the Cowboys will win this game. Although they do have the State of Origin superstar, Francis Morlow, on the bench. He's on the bench. <laughs> Queensland had to pick a bench warmer to, to, to make up the numbers. Um, yeah, Knights, I think, will we'll get a win this week, for sure. All right. So we move on to the games on Sunday. First up, it's the Broncos versus the Sharks. It's at Suncorp. No crowds. $3 Broncos. $1.39 Sharks. Broncos have seven and a half points start. Ben Iken started his role there. Interestingly, he came out and said Matt Lodge and Tavita Pangai Jr. are not going anywhere. Uh, that was absolutely Ben Iken to give the club a bit of stability. Controversially, I think the Broncos are a shot. They didn't They didn't have anyone go to origin. Sharks don't travel well. I I think I'm going to tip the Sharks, but I think the Broncos have got enough there to trouble the Sharks, I think. I'm tipping the Sharks solely because they got more to play for this week, and 
I mean, if you can't turn up when you can solidify a position in the eight, when are you? I agree with you, they don't travel that well. And at times, I think the Sharks have played in a bit lackadaisical at times. But Mulatalo coming back, I think, has made a difference. And, you know, Sean Johnson and Matt Morland a little bit more settled. So I'm tipping the Sharks purely for their experience. But like you said, you look at the Broncos' back line, they've got some strike, right? It's whether they put it all together in the same game. Tessie News at fullback, Staggs is back, Farnworth, Sarko, they've, they've got some talent there. So, and I think Brody Croft didn't really get a fair run in the halves. He's back. And um, Carmichael Hunt's gone. So this is the 74th halves partnership this year for the Broncos. So, <laughs> I mean, what was the point of Carmichael I mean, they, they had that training session apparently during the week where the, because they got the new trainer there, right? And apparently he smashed them and they got four injuries out of it. Yeah, well, that doesn't surprise me because they fall away. They're athletic, but they don't seem to have first grade football type of fitness. No, I agree. You've got to tune your athleticism for that game. And I don't know if the, there's a few teams like that that I don't think fit that part. But I'm tipping the Sharks too much to play for for me. And if they lose this, then you've got to wonder where their season's going to go. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so last game of the round is at Leichhardt. Tigers versus Souths. It was Benji, first time playing at Leichhardt in opposition colours. Unfortunately, with the COVID situation, no crowd there to farewell Benji. Tigers have 19.5 points start. They're $7 outsiders and Souths are $1.10 favourites. Luttrell, oh, he's going to have a full week to recover, right? So he's got a, he's got a complete week. I think he'll be fully fit, as as fully fit as someone who's five to seven kilos overweight can be. Oh, no, hey, he's actually put on, I can't believe I'm saying this, but from Origin 1 to Origin 2, he's put on more weight. <laughs> That's not good. Like, he's young enough to carry it, right? But as you know, for those who have gone past, in your early 20s, you can carry a bit of extra, few extra kilos. Once you start to get to your mid-20s, late-20s, especially when you have to be in supreme athletic condition. Like we are for this pod. Correct, yeah. You, you don't, you're not able to carry it as much. You're a little bit slower. You're a little bit... You know, there's a few players that have struggled with their weight. Remember Owen Craigie? Yeah. When he was younger, he still had that explosive and explosiveness and the stamina, but eventually he couldn't carry his weight as he got older. He still had the magic. Um, look, Latrell had a, an amazing game. God, I'd love to see him just in absolute peak physical condition he'd be he's unbelievable now um but south i mean really yeah i think south's will win this latrell's playing really well but so's cody walker so's adam reynolds aj's great on the left wing cam murray they got a full week to recover from origin cam murray and latrell and damian cook i think i think I think South's, South's have this. got a fairly strong side. And after yep. the Tigers, I mean, if you're not going to have a dig now, whether you win or lose, you've got to worry about them. Yeah. Like really. All right. South's from both of us. And, and unfortunately, that brings us to the close of a quick G&T show this week. But uh, we'll be back with you next week uh, uh, previewing all our wrong tips from round 16 or reviewing our wrong tips and previewing round 17. For those of you in lockdown, our thoughts and prayers are with you. Stay safe. Uh, hopefully this passes. We got this Australia. And once we're, once we're back to normal... Uh, we'll be able to follow the hijinks of the rugby league all over again. So go well, and thanks for joining us, G. Likewise, thanks a lot, T, and hopefully um, everyone's lockdown finishes quite soon, and we'll see you next week. And when's your coffee table book going to be published? The the book around the <laughs> car park coffee table book? I have to check. The federal government funding for car parks is still going. Okay. Are you ready? All right. See you next week. See you later. Bye. <laughs>